Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Clark and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowanson. I'm joined this evening or this afternoon by Matt Kendrick. Um, Aston Villa nil, Arsenal one. Pretty rubbish afternoon at Villa Park. Really disappointing, frustrating, whatever adjective you want to go for. Um, but before we get stuck into it, Matt, you're up. I know you've opened a beer already. The sun is shining. Yeah, well, the sun's shining. I'm back home, parked 15 minutes away from the ground. Got away quickly. Sun's shining on the beer. Um, so. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let these lot ruin my weekend. <laughs> yeah, same. I, yeah, it kind of doesn't affect me too much, really. But yeah, f- frustrating is probably the word that I would go for for that for that defeat. If you've got any comments or questions you want to go through, chuck them in in below, and I'll kind of guide the uh, the podcast down whatever the talking points of the day are. Start where we do every podcast. Then kind of sum up your your feelings and your thoughts for me. Sixty seconds or so. How do you assess what you've seen this afternoon, Matthew Kendrick? Um, I can take losing because I've had a lot of practice, not just with Aston Villa, but any competitive sport that I've played <laughs> or been, been involved in. I'm, I'm a veteran loser, uh, as people will know. Um, I, I don't like losing, but I don't like losing when it's so flat. And I just thought it was one of those days when everything was out, out of kilter, really. I don't like half to half kickoffs. I think I described Aston Villa kicking towards the whole end first half as being a little bit like when you put your pants on back to front. It's just something just <laughs> nags away. It's not quite right. Um, That's good. I like that. And so I don't like I don't like it when we kick towards the whole end uh, in the first half. Um, you know, I know we lost lost last weekend, but the the two number tens didn't seem seem to be quite the good fit. Today for for the match, I think we conceded too much territory. I think they were they were a little bit isolated, and I think it was a flat performance. And everything everything just didn't feel right, and you just got the sense that it was going to be um, going to be one of those days. And you know, I was desperate. I know we, we had the the first shot on target, didn't we? In the in the last uh, the last kick of the game, with Coutinho actually being able to wrestle the ball off his fellow countrymen to take a free kick, um, and I thought. We don't deserve anything out of this. I'm, des- I'm desperate that we that we fluke something and we we fluke fluke an equaliser out of this and shut up the away fans. But we don't deserve anything, and we got exactly what we deserved today, which was diddly squat. Um, you know, it was a bit old school Arsenal for me. One nil to the Arsenal, which you know people of my generation and older will recognise that that used to be Arsenal's trademark. But I thought Arsenal played really well in terms of game management. Bottled the game up, got the goal. Played well first half, played us off the park first half, got the goal, and then thought we can just we can we can control this match now and we can win this game one nil. And so it proved. Was that Ings header not on target? He said that our first shot on target 
So it's kind no, of looped over. over to the top of the net, didn't they? Not the top Did of it, the net, but over on top of the net. Um, I can't remember whether the goalkeeper caught it or not, but yeah, from, from where I was, I thought, oh, what, how good would that have been just sort of looping over the goalkeeper? But yeah, not to be. Have you not seen Gerard's BT Sport interview? I've seen some written quotes. I did screenshot what Ash said about him, but no, go on. What, did he say something like that? Because the interviewer, Des Kelly, asks him, well, kind of says that he didn't have a shot on target till the till the 90th minute or whatever. And Gerard bites at him a little bit, like real, really feisty. And it's really, I've just tweeted about it. It's really, I really like it. Probably I'm not on the receiving end of it. Uh, <laughs> but I really like it because, you know, you can just see how he hates losing. He really, really hates it. It's under his skin. And the interview is just asking a call. No, to be fair to, to Des Kelly, I, I don't mind Des Kelly. I quite, quite like, like his interviewing style. Uh, but he was he was throwing a couple of really obvious ones at him, and Gerard kind of bit back at him. And I just thought, if we got a little bit of that in the performance today, mm. we'd have made more of a game of it. So, how do you, as an elite footballer and as an emerging coach, how do you imprint that every week? And so, do you know what I mean? But it was it was it was really, it just reminded me. Uh, I'm going off at a bit of a tangent now, but it it just reminded me of like. Um, like when I when I've been on the receiving end of that, some of the some of the, like the really kind of mardy managers, it just made me laugh because I think there's a time there's a time where I asked uh, Paul Lambert. I might have told you this before. I asked Paul Lambert something once, and uh, and uh, it's just an innocent question, and he's just like he was really in a real mardy mood, and he spat back at me, and he said something like, "Matt, I wouldn't tell you the time," <laughs> and um, I don't think I actually said this, but I've always regretted since saying wouldn't or couldn't. Um, <laughs> But um, I digress anyway, but it was good to see Gerard. We know he's a passionate man. We know he's a born winner. We know he, he hates he hates losing. If that's the case, which we know it is the case, we can't have performances like that because mm-hmm. at times we made Arsenal, the way that they were able to move the ball around, you know, and we were standing off them. We made, we made them look like a really, really top-class elite team. I think Arsenal are a good team. and I think Arteta's got them in a good form and a good you know, good routine in terms of being able to manage games out. But I think we I think we I think we just kind of flattered them by standing off them today. Yeah, I kind of agree to it a certain extent. I, I don't actually think Arsenal are, are that good. I think if a, a side like Arsenal can get into the Champions League, I think that probably says more about the, the state of the top end of the league after Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea, to be honest. I don't think they're that good. They're not an elite side for me. They're, they're good. They're top seven, top six, but yeah, today we, just, we made it too easy for them, and that, that's what annoys me more than anything. Like, there's, a, there's a no point really during that game that I can think of. I mean, the fact we've not had a shot on target till the 90th minute says says it all. But the fact that we've not really got in their faces at any point, I always feel like, and this might be a cliche, but I always feel like with a, with a side like Arsenal, if you get at them, they're a little bit flaky. They'll, they'll make silly mistakes, wind up somebody like Xhaka, and he'll, he'll get himself sent off. Like little things like that getting their faces, chucking an early tackle, and we just sat off them and, and made it way too easy. And that first, We're better in the second half, to be fair, slightly. But that first half, they've controlled the game, scored the goal, and you kind of think, well, we're not going to get back into this. But come on there from Adam, took the words out of my mouth, passive and safe. Every time we do get the ball, it's sideways, it's backwards. But there doesn't seem to be any urgency. And you, know, you look at it at 60, 70 minutes and think, we look like the side holding on to a 1-0 lead here, not the ones trying to break a team down and and score Is the winner. 60 centimetres then? 60, 70. 60, oh, 70 minutes. Right. You know, like it just doesn't look like, I kind of think, get the ball forward, let's let's do something. And then 
it reverts a long ball to Ollie Watkins, who, who's took first touches all over the place. And I think, oh, well, that's not the answer either. It's just just a poor, poor all round, all round game for Villa today. I think. Yeah, it was it was poor, and there was there was a, a, a moment fairly early on, probably within the first five or ten minutes, when uh, Ashley Young made a bad decision. He's either hesitated or he hasn't gone to win a ball, and he's been a bit standoffish, and and um, Saka's got away from him. And mm. has created a created a chance, which I think we've we've managed to scramble behind for a corner or something, or it's gone beyond for a goal kick. And then what we do from the very next goal kick, and I'm not saying that Villa should go long all the time, but we start playing that little ridiculous kind of one-two <laughs> tippy-tappy between Tyro Mings and and Martinez and Esri Conzer, and it gets you know the. The Arsenal press gets closer and closer and closer. And eventually, Tyra Mings or somebody ends up sticking the foot through it anyway. And it's either going for a throw-in or it's going, you know, conceded possession with a half-hit long ball anyway. Occasionally, just do that. Any you just you just survived a scare where the ball's just flashed past your goal. You've got a goal mm. kick out of it. Just don't invite the next moment from it. Just vary it up. A little bit, um, you know. Perhaps some people say, "Well, no, Matt, you've got to be brave, even in, even in the difficult moments. You've got to back your philosophy." But I think sometimes you've got to be prepared to to chop it and you know to, to change it up a little bit. Um, yeah. That winds yeah, up my dad's think... no end, by the way. I don't know whether my dad will be watching this, but that kind of like you know playing around at the back, he'll always say, "What is the point of this?" Because like you said, you end up going long anyway, and you kind of think, I think loads of teams do it, so there's obviously a reason why, but sometimes you do look at it, especially when the players aren't cut out for, for that kind of tippy-tappy, and think, what are they doing here? Like, what are we actually trying to achieve? I suppose if it sucks the arse and press in and you break it, but enough. yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I just think, what is the point? Why, why are we doing this? Just go long anyway. Because now I you're under pressure. You go long every single time, because we're talking about, if you go long every single time, and you've got Ollie Watkins surrounded by by two, two yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And Ollie Watkins, his first touch, he's not going to kill it all the time, and he, he's not always going to challenge and physically with the centre half or centre halves are against him. I don't think you just bombard forward balls and just hope that it, it, it sticks. Sometimes I, I do like the idea of being able to play out from the back, but if the options aren't on, place, I suppose, and you can't move the ball out fast fast enough so that that playing out for the back at least gets it to your defensive midfielder who's yeah. in a place to start picking passes and and looking forward. I just think it, it invites it invites pressure that you don't need. Um, but yeah, I think I, th- I think the thing with me, I was chatting to uh, my lad and his mate and my nephew on the way back from the game, and couldn't really name a Villa man of the match. Probably, you know, we were struggling yeah. a little bit. And Cash saying saying Matty, and that that probably just comes because Matty Cash has those swashbuckling runs, and you know, there's a couple yeah. of times where he did try and kind of move the ball forward and get forward quick. I think they, they played and handled cash quite well, to be honest, because I think he was limited today. But if there's no standout player, you know, I'd, I'd have struggled to give anybody above a six today. And oh, yeah. if, that's, if that's the case and and the shape and the formation's not, not fit for purpose, I think Gerard's come out and said some of the players didn't quite believe enough in the game plan, that, yeah. didn't believe enough that what was the saying. You know, if 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 that's the case, then you kind of, you know, we're not playing prime Real Madrid, or we're not playing, you know, whoever it is, you know, the Arsenal Invincibles of yeah. fifteen twenty years ago. We're playing an Arsenal team who three months ago were calling for their manager to be sacked and looking like they might be 
crying out to try and finish in the top 10 or whatever. So if you don't believe the game plan today, that's a little bit of a worry. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the worry for me, Dan, as well, is that we almost play in little blocks. We win games and then all of a sudden we're 10 foot tall and we, we, we go on and imprint that on the next game. We lose a game and then we get stuck. It's only two games, but we get stuck in a little mini rut. And it's, no, you've got to be able to almost compartmentalise the last game. That's gone now. You know, we're back at Villa Park. Let's go and take this go. It's yeah. 12.30. It's going to be a little bit flat. So we've got to get this going. Um, I don't think there was ever the sense that Aston Villa were going to get that game going today. I think I think Gerard said something about he doesn't want to be a side that, you know, wins a few, loses a few, wins a few. But... I agree. No one really wants that. But if you're a mid-table side, that is going to be like, isn't it? You're not going to win ten in a row because if you are, you'd be winning winning leagues. Somebody put earlier on about we've got more losses this season than we did last season, or something like that. And there's still nine games to go. Aston Villa have suffered as many Premier League defeats, fifteen in 2021, 2022, as they did in the entirety of 2021, 20, 2020, 21. <laughs> yeah, there's nine games to go. So obviously we're going to break that record, aren't we? Oh, unless we go unbeaten in the next nine, which isn't going to happen. Um, yeah, the quote from Gerard that, that Ash tweeted was, we set up to be aggressive but lacked belief in what we were doing. And again, I don't think we were aggressive from the off, to be honest. Uh, I thought certain individuals lacked belief. It's hard to execute a game plan if not everyone believes in what you're doing. That is a, a quite a concerning quote, I think. Why are the players well, not buying into the system? You know, it's, it's very honest from a manager to say... Yeah. The, I don't. I don't think. I, I hope not. Anyway, I don't think that's Gerard throwing his players under the bus. I think that's Gerard knowing what we've seen of him and knowing what we understand his personality to be. To say, I've got to do better than this. To I've got. I've got big ideas of what I want for this squad of players, but some of them clearly aren't getting it. So I need. I need, and they need to to work it a lot harder. But it almost. <laughs> it's not quite this. It's not quite Gerard saying I've lost the dressing room, but it's Gerard saying. You know, I think it's in me actually paving the way to say, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. So, the, yeah. you know, the I think collectively Villa let us all down today. But I think it's, it's almost like a shot across the bows to say, this is the way it's going to be. I don't like losing. I don't like losing passively. You're either with me or you, you know, your days. And which I suppose is the same case as any manager, isn't it? What did you make of the... I've just got a fly on my computer screen. Hold on. Um, what did you make of the system? Because obviously we've gone to two nines in the last few games with Ings and Watkins playing together. We've said many times about having to, you know, horses for courses, changing different things. You've got a squad, use them. You're not going to play the same system and the same 11 every single week. I understand that. Young is in for Dean, as expected. Chambers is, is dropped for Conza. And Buendia is in for Ings with the two tens again. And I don't really want to dig, dig out individuals, even though we are about to do that, because I don't think anyone, like we just said, we can't pick them out of the match, so they're all poor. But if you're playing two tens, and Bendir was better than Coutinho, but still not not great. If you're playing two tens to drop your, your number nine, and the two tens are ineffective and don't do anything, is that a poor system or is that poor players? I'm not saying they haven't got ability, but just uh, is that a poor performance or was, was Gerard wrong to choose that system is, is my question. I think, listen, I think you know, a couple of weeks ago we were all saying, you know, Cunnings and Watkins play, play together. We doubted whether that would work and then we found a way of it working. And then 
you know, I don't think we necessarily need to write off him playing the two tens behind behind Watkins or behind a, a main striker again or around that striker. But to me, we just kind of there's too many gaps between. If you're going to play Watkins and Wendell and Coutinho up top, and then you're going to have, you know, your, your mid. There seemed to be too too much of a gap between the, the the forward three and the midfield three, which meant yeah. that. Like, so I thought Odegaard was brilliant. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. It just you're su- you know what? I think you're surprisingly complimentary about the opposition. Normally, when we lose a game, you you don't really speak about the opposition too much, and it's more about Villas. I just thought they were just more streetwise. They're just sharp. They just I don't, I don't think they were time. that good. Well, no, but we we put on we, and we'll talk about the substitutes in a minute. But the time when we were trying to inject a bit of extra momentum and actually think well, we don't really want to lose this game without a fight, we put on. Um, Traore and we put on Bailey and we thought well actually it, it was a bit stale we need something whether we agree or disagree with what Gerald's done we need something mm-hmm. for the next five or ten minutes after we made those substitutes and almost showed our hand to Arsenal that we you know this is this is what we've got this is what we're going to do next Arsenal were playing like a testimonial they kept the ball from us for most of that period with a couple of exceptions like Bailey got a couple of of decent balls in that that created a little bit of problems for Arsenal to deal with. But, listen, I don't think Arsenal are anywhere near the Arsenal teams that we've seen in the past. But I just thought, in terms of them being able to manage a game situation, Mm. I thought they won the game comfortably. And even if that... I think the goal was flaky that we conceded. But I think if they'd have needed to, they'd have found another gear to go go and hurt us again. And I think the issue that I got Back to the question between Buendir and Coutinho, neither of which played particularly well. I thought Watkins didn't play especially well either, but they were in good company with the rest of the team. I just felt that and whether whether starting with Ings rather than Buendir would have made a difference to this, I don't think it necessarily would have. But when Odegaard and Partey got the ball in the middle, and even Smith-Rowe, there just seems so much space. Like Smith Rowe, a couple of times on quick breaks and stuff, was playing loose passes, I thought, mm. but still there's so much space in there for the Arsenal players that they were seizing on it and, and, and still keeping their moves going. And I just thought it was I don't know how what was our game what was our game plan? I mean Gerald said <laughs> we wanted to set up aggressively. We didn't. But we didn't touch the ball for the first five minutes or so, barely. What what was our way of hurting them today? Because they, they think... to me, they were too well regimented to play through the lines with them. So yeah. we need to stretch them more. But Ailey's yeah. come on, but has started playing almost not quite centre forward. But he's not really he's not really played on the touchline. So when we've bad breaks down the left hand side, it's still been Ashley Young. And mm. respect to Ashley Young, we know what he's going to do. He's going. He's a left back, or he's a he's a right footed winger, veteran <laughs> winger playing at left back. We know that he's going to jink inside and whip the ball with his right. And I just thought, well, we're not stretching them. We're not making yeah. it difficult for them. We're not moving the ball fast enough. We're not being aggressive enough. And I just thought, Arsenal have, Arsenal have won that game without getting out of out of second gear, but they've managed it very well. They haven't had to mm. overexert themselves. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah, um, that's fair. I think I think they were good at breaking anything we were trying to do like Bailey had two or three men on him at some occasions when he was dribbling down the left hand side um, and kind of stopping our stopping our threats I said earlier I don't want to dig anyone out, dig anyone out specifically but kind of talk about Coutinho a little bit 
you know, one week we're saying, oh yeah, pay whatever. And I still, again, before anyone gets carried away, I'm not doubting his ability and how, how good he is uh, on his day. But it seems to be this kind of like fine line that he's either brilliant or goes missing a little bit. I don't know how many games he's playing now, but it feels like he's had five good ones and five pretty rubbish ones. And if Coutinho is, is kind of the, the heartbeat of the side and us doing well and then that creative force in behind a striker, if he's not performing for whatever reason, whether that's because he's having an off day or the opposition are, are wise to stop him, it kind of feels a bit like when we had Jack Grealish and it's if you stop Coutinho, you stop Astaville. That's how it felt a little bit to me today, that Coutinho is nowhere, nowhere near even being in the games day and we've looked poor going forward as a result of that. I don't think Villa are a one-man team now to the extent no, no, that, but that, that we won't He's the brightest spark, I think. I think I think the thing with, with Coutinho and Buendia, I think I thought either of them could have been taken off. I thought a change yeah. was needed. Yeah, yeah. I thought either, any of the front three could have been taken off. And I think, I think Buendia was unlucky. To be honest, I don't think he was particularly good. I think he was probably a little bit more involved or a little bit a bit more urgency than than Coutinho. But I think the thing is, you can't carry both of them. Yeah, when yeah, they're being yeah. quiet. Um, listen, I think I was writing love letters for him, wasn't I? And serenading him the last time that we we did this after the Southampton game. So I'm not going to suddenly suddenly start start digging him out. I think the thing that amazes me about Coutinho is, you know, again we've all seen what he can do from, you know, the edge of the box pinging pinging stuff pinging balls into the top corner. Why is he not on set piece duties all the time? I mean, he's taking that free kick again. I think Douglas Lewis is he's he's a good player. I think he gets a an unfair an unfair press sometimes. I think he can I think he can be better, I think he'd be more consistent. But I don't think I don't think unless he's he's, he's pinging it top bins in, in training it every must, single it day. Must be that. I don't know why he's, he's the, the go to set piece man, to be honest. Um so you know, if Coutinho's having a quiet game, at least put him on those. Um yeah. but it does. It does feel a little bit like having both of those two number tens as kind of like your star players. That you know, when dear your record signing, Coutinho is the big name. That you only do play one of them because if it's not working, you can stick the other guy on. Whereas when they're both playing and they're both not playing well like they do today, you think, well, what's the option here, Bertrand Traoré? I mean, no disrespect to him, even though I've just disrespected him. It's not the answer is he, Bertrand Traoré? Well, listen, you could have, you could have, you could point the finger at pretty much any of them. Today, I know, but, I know. But you're not going to get you're not going to get Coutinho or Buendia who are pulling the strings and making things happen if Watkins his movement isn't good enough or yeah. he's not making the ball stick. So that makes their job difficult. It makes their job difficult if I think Jacob Ramsey's looking a little bit bit jaded and he's not bringing the ball through with with as much kind of you know whatever energy as he as he's done. I think McGinn flitted in and out. A little bit today, Louise again. So, you know, you can't you can't pin it on one particular player because their game would be lifted. No, nobody could grab that game today because there wasn't yeah, one yeah. person who you could say, right, this is not good enough. You know, who does Gerard want on his pitch as that that you know who's doing his bidding on the pitch? I don't think anybody was really doing that for him today. Um, I think it's just one of those. We just need to put it put it down to experience. It was flat. It was crap. It's it's it will happen that forevermore that we don't beat Villa we don't beat Arsenal Villa Park unless there's no fans in the stadium. Um, so yeah. it's yeah. I'll tell you what I want to, want to talk about, and I don't know whether you were going to pave the way to this anyway. But the Mings challenge on um, 
on Saka. Yeah, I was, well, I was just going to bring it up by saying referee abysmal. So yeah, that would have come up at some point. Um, just before we get into that, that Mings one specifically, the ref. I mean, I don't know how many times we got to come on these podcasts and talk about the standard referee being atrocious, but just not lacking control on a game. Uh, I kind of, I don't remember what referees used to be like, but you always see the old things go around on social media every so often about, oh, you know, so and so would have, you know, the players would never have said anything to ex-referee and, and and those kind of things. Whereas now it just looks like the players get away with by doing whatever they want, time wasting stuff like that. We had a, an occasion where we had a, a quick free kick, free kick in our own half with no one around it, and he stops it for a moving ball and little things like that. And I just think, just get on with the game. The referees have kind of like get their their imprint on it and get involved. And I just think, get on with it. And the decisions they do make, it always seems like it goes against Villa and doesn't go against the the, the big club that we're playing against. Just very frustrating, and it makes a game yeah, hard to get into when it's been stopped all the time. I don't want to see it in a woe is me. You no, know, but it's poor though, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be a persecution complex that oh, poor old Villa everything's going against us. I don't think that's the case. I just think refereeing is generally crap. Yeah, yeah, I you agree. Know what I mean, and that, that's harsh because there's some good referees, and you know, referees that- are the are the easy targets. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's an anti-Villa thing. I don't like the one I want to talk about is Mings on Saturday, yeah, yeah, and I don't on. want to come at that. I can't fail to come at it because I'm a Villa fan. I'm on a Villa podcast. So I can't fail to come at it with a big dollop of bias. But I don't know how you can look at that. If that would have gone against, gone the other way, I, do, I don't think I would have said, that's a foul, that's that's a red card, that's a yellow card. Because to me, and maybe maybe I do need, maybe I need to do my homework and maybe I need to, to read upon on the rules a little bit better. But I don't, I don't understand what Tyrone Mings' options were there. So he can either... Make that tackle, which means extending his leg to make contact with the ball cleanly, which he did, and then make his whole body disappear so that he doesn't he doesn't create any kind of danger or any kind of threat to the player he's tackling. Or he can say, That ball's not there for me to win. That that ball's not where that, that ball is not there for me to win. I've got to back out and I've got to let Arsenal have possession there. Now you're telling right. me that the ball that is within the reach of a defender, of a six foot four defender, six foot five defender, who can win it and can win it cleanly, should he say, should he be, should he be wimping out or pulling out of that tackle? Because if not, what what should he be doing? Because I don't think yeah. he's gone dangerously. I think that's the option. He's gone with one foot. His foot's on the ground. He's won the ball cleanly. Now he's actually, I think he's actually his trailing leg. He's trying to kind of avoid contact anyway. Is, is there not any responsibility on Saka there to say that's not my ball to win? Yeah. Or I've got to do. I've got to adjust my body shape. Uh, I, just I think, think. Go on. Go on. So I'm mid. I'm mid rant. Just I, I, I tweeted during the game because I'd seen it like top of the Trinity with the naked eye and thought I think that's a clean tackle. But I'm on the opposite yeah. side of the pitch. I'm on the opposite side of you know. It's the far touch line. It's the other side of the of the other half of the pitch. I thought, I'll just double check. And then a couple of people said, no, you're right. He, you know, he's won the ball cleanly. You know, it wasn't a dangerous tackle and all these kind of things. And then I've seen, I think since somebody shared a clip at halftime, I thought, yeah, I've still, I've seen it back 20 times now and I still can't see yeah. how it's a foul. Now, I can understand if you're an Arsenal fan or a Birmingham City fan or somebody who's got different, invested in that game differently, you can call it however you want. But if you're a match referee and you're VAR who's, who's the safety net for the match referee and you were saying that 
is just tell me, somebody come out and explain what you should have done differently. Well, you just mentioned there, if you're a Birmingham City fan or an Arsenal fan, then you've got different expectations to Aston Villa. But what about Nottingham Forest? Now, I'm going to dig out a colleague of ours, Matt Davis, who has covered for me on this podcast many times. He's just put a comment in the uh, the Facebook chat there saying, definite yellow for Ming, sorry. Now, you messaged me earlier because he was on social duty. So I messaged him at half time to say, oh, can you put this tweet out um, for me? The wording I said was... Uh, Villa struggling to get into the game doesn't help when you're playing against the referee too is what I told him to put and he changed it and replied back to me and said you won't agree but the ref hasn't been bad right to book Mings wrong to book Xhaka and I said I'm calling you out on the podcast for that for that horrific opinion later and he said please do um, the Xhaka one just explain, was... just explain what Mings not, not necessarily Matt but anybody who disagrees <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm open minded genuine, genuinely if somebody can tell me what Mings is supposed to do, is that ball not there to be won? So there's the three options to me. If the ball's not there to be won, Mings doesn't go and win it because he's going to endanger an, an opponent. Or if it is there to be, if it is there to be won, what should he have done differently with his body shape to have won it? How, how should he should he have gone and done it? Or three, the correct answer is he's, he's, he's done everything that he could and should do within the laws of the game to me. Uh, yeah. and I agree. it's a farce. Listen, I'm not Unless... I'm not saying that, that's not affected the result of the game. We yeah, lost yeah. today because we played crap. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm just saying, explain. I don't understand it. I'm, 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 I'm being, somebody said, I'm, I'm, as a Villa fan said, Matt, you're being stupid. That's clearly a yellow. If I'm being stupid, educate me. Teach me honestly. There's a, couple, there's a couple of people in the comments that if you go if you go through the man these days, that's that's a foul. Where should he go with his body? But, but yeah, imagine the uproar of Tara Mings, especially Tara Mings of all people, backs out of that challenge and Saka is allowed to run through our, uh, the whole half uh, our goal. Um, so let's no, face it. Like, just just on that a sec, and I'm obviously I'm a high horse here. <laughs> if you go, go through it. the man, okay, I take that. We don't want anybody to get hurt. We don't want anybody to have a serious injury or whatever. But are we saying so? If you go through the man, it should be a yellow. It should be a red. So in that case, what should Tara Mings do? What yeah. should he do? Back off. Not make, I guess. Are we saying he should not make the tackle? Or if we're saying he should make the tackle, what should his body shape be? Where should he, what should he do? Should he go in with his head? Do you know yeah. what I mean? What, what are we saying? Also, just to, to end this, because said you can't get to ground, so you can't what? tackle anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's silly, isn't it? Of course, you got to go to ground. You've got to go to ground. He, he went in, we lead him with his foot anyway. He's not gone sliding in. He's going, kicked it, and, and gone down uh, anyway. But the, the 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 thing is, if Saka doesn't roll around on the floor, it's not given. There's nothing wrong you know with what? him. A, let's face it; he's not injured. There's nothing wrong with him. He got up and ran off a few a few minutes later after a lengthy delay. If he doesn't go down injured and he gets straight back up to try and win the ball back or, or whatever. The referee doesn't even vote for a foul, never mind a yellow card. Did you see um, see Saka's goal celebration when he rolled oh. towards the Arsenal fans? I yeah. thought one of the better players was going to get booked for that. <laughs> to be honest, it's just, just pathetic. There's a, there's a comment really, here from, really a, from, pathetic. from an Arsenal fan saying, why does it matter that didn't impact the game? And yes, we know. We know it didn't impact the game, but it's a talking point. It's something to, to be annoyed about because it sets the standard for, for every other decision that the referee's given that that's a yellow card. And then there's there's tackles from the Arsenal players. Uh, Party, I think, made three or four challenges before he got a yellow. And then I think it's either Ramsey or Mings. Somebody's saying, um, saying the notes. Gets booked straight away. Arsenal fan, why does it matter that didn't impact the game? 
Well, I'll just of course, that's because Tyrone Mings, Tyrone Mings is on a yellow card. So it impacts yeah, the way true. he plays. It impacts Tyrone Mings' season. So how many yellow cards he tops up. And it impacts the game because we now know that, you know, this this match is, be, is beyond the influence of what... We want, we've got our manager saying our players didn't play aggressively enough. Somebody goes and wins the ball fairly. You know, what, yeah. what, what are they supposed to do? I'm not saying yeah. I've, I've already said that it didn't it didn't impact the results of the game, but say it doesn't impact the game, it's just nonsense. I need to stop Finished. drinking before coming on. <laughs> yeah, that's just say. Um, it's just an annoying afternoon, isn't it, Matt Davis? Yeah, obviously I've got to finish this, this talking point. He says, catch a sacker with the studs of the ankle, always a risk that'll happen when defenders sliding in at speed. It'll be a book in every game in the Premier League. It must be different in Nottingham, isn't it? Down in the championship, they must play things differently. He gets the ball. I think if you win the, unless it's a dangerous play, if you win the ball and then take out the man, that should be irrelevant because the ball is king. You won the ball, move on. There's going to be collateral damages and there's contacts, the contact sport. Sacco is bound to get a kick in every now and then, like every other player. Let's move on. Let's move on. I mean, <laughs> one of my talking points it was pre-game was just Mikel, Mikel Arteta moaning and whining about everything, but it feels silly to bring that up after we've just spent the last five minutes moaning about a yellow card. You know what's talking me about Arteta? How slim he is. Is he, is he? Oh, yeah, you look proper, short. Proper slim, proper kind of yappy. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know what he's doing on the touchline either. Uh, there's, there's clearly a few Arsenal fans watching this, so this isn't going to go down well. But there was a point when um, Leno just kicked the ball straight out of play from a goal kick and he applauded it like it was the best thing ever. And me and my dad were just looking at each other like, why is he clapping that? I know it's like encouragement, but like it was just bizarre. And just like the way he handled like the coaching staff, there was a moment, I've seen it on Twitter. Uh, you, hadn't, you hadn't seen it because we've spoken like this. But right at the very end when we had that free kick and Martinez went up for it, one of their coaching staff, some little guy, four foot five guy little man syndrome walked all the way down to the um, where the free kick was being taken like well out of the the technical area I know it was close to the tunnel than the dugout and Martin, Martin Atkinson the fourth official kind of walked towards him as if to say come on now back back in your box you go and again it's just like what I was saying at the start a lack of control from officials that they should be straight on that going get back in your, your box you're winning the game what are you doing and on his way back as it was got to full time because obviously the whistle went straight away this little guy I don't know who he is Having a go at Neil Cutler and Gary McAllister, like having a go in their faces, and Neil Cutler's like looking at him, like down at him, like this, and he was just like waving away, waving away. I just thought, what are you doing? What is this like little coaching setup you've got here, Michael Arteta? Who are these scrubs? <laughs> I actually, well, I don't want, if we have got Arsenal fans listening, I don't want to go and get lynched next time we're in North, North London for whatever reason. But I actually thought the Arsenal fans were good in terms of the atmosphere. The, the, like, I thought the limbs were good for the goal. They were, they were better, a lot better. I thought Villa Park, again, I'm part of the problem, so I'm not slagging any, anybody off, but I thought Villa Park was a little bit flat. The 12.30, the poor start, the, the, mm. the passive performance. I thought the Arsenal fans were, were really, really kind of loud and vibrant for, for most of the game, to be honest, which is probably a reflection of the fact that they are in a good place at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that means... I thought they were good. I was a little bit annoyed by when we when we we gave them the Champions of Europe. You, you'll never sing that that they came back with Champions of Europe. You weren't even born. Fair enough for you. I was born. <laughs> um, wasn't old enough to see. But I was born. But I don't know where you're going with it because Champions of Europe. You're not even born either. And yeah. you know, even if you're born tomorrow, you're not going to be champions of Europe anytime <laughs> soon. Um, but I actually, that's, I actually that's my grudging the... praise for the Arsenal fans. I thought I thought they created a good atmosphere, and the, 
amongst the better sense sets of fans, I think, who've been at Villa Park this year. Yeah, I, I just said I like the limbs for the goal. I thought that their fans looked good in the sun as well. From where I was, I'm, I'm praising up the fans now. Like I don't, even, I don't know where I'm going with this, but to counteract that that praise for them, the celebration is still going on. They just brought out Arsenal, Arsenal, oh, and I thought oh, you've ruined it. You had good limbs, then you ruin it with that horrible droney chant. So, for the Arsenal fans watching, good we've limbs. We've been fighting we've been nasty to him now. I've lost track of the. Well, I thought because this is majority Villa podcast, me saying that the Arsenal fans were good is going to get me Villa fans on my back. And I'm yeah, more, I'm more bothered about them we, than the Arsenal fans. We literally can't win. Um, just a quick shout out to. Um, listen, speaking of Arsenal fans, the Villa fans won't like me for this, but we've got a, a family friend with us today, and he's been to his first ever. Premier League football match from lives in Cardiff, little Daniel Chadney. So I'd give a shout out to Daniel and his dad. His dad's a builder in the South Wales area. So if anybody needs any extensions done <laughs> or any <laughs> any construction work. But so dad dad came and said, I've got we've got a spare ticket today. So we managed to kind of get get him in, in with us and he was very well behaved. We said, you know, if you make any noise, we're gonna we're gonna punch your face and you know the usual kind of stuff. Uh so he very, very smugly in the car on the way back had a little smirk on his face because he's a kind of fair weather Arsenal fan. Um, and yeah, so a little shout out to him, but he's never, he's never going to be invited back again. Um, so enjoy it while it lasts. Um, There's a reasonable price on conservatives, his dad, just, just to add that. Good. Um, my last football related point, just to, to end on something. Uh, Actual Villa related. It's international break now, and then it's uh, Wolves next, is it? I think after the first game back. Uh, yeah, Wolves next. Um, does the international break come at a good or a bad time? Because there seems to be a lot of internationals away, so I think Bodden will be quite quiet. But Gerard's buzzword of resetting a uh, two week break now to reset things is that a good thing for Villa or, or not? Or would you be oh, thinking I quite like to play again in a few days' time? <laughs> Yeah, I look at the injury situation. I mean, Luca Dean, I think, will be a little bit closer. I think he's been called up for international duty mm-hmm. anyway, which suggests his his injury is hopefully not not a bad one. Although when Villa tweeted about it the other day, big yeah. back stronger, I thought, oh God, is that you know, is that one that's months <laughs> rather than weeks? Uh, I think it allow him to get fit. I think Gerald said, didn't he, pretty much that Nakamba's back in training now uh, and looking at return next month, um, so that give us another option and a bit of energy there if we do think that the, the likes of um, Ramsey need a little bit of a rest. Um, so, yeah, I don't, good time or bad time, I don't know. It comes at a bad time for me because I actually like watching proper domestic football and being at Villa and, and seeing Villa play rather than, you know, sound unpatriotic here, but rather sometimes go through the motions with, um, with international fixtures. So, I don't know. We've lost a couple of games. You know, Gerard clearly was was rather unimpressed with with the way we played and the way his team executed his or failed to execute his instructions. So allow him to get stuck into the ones who are still around. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just um, I, I thought we might lose today, but I just thought we'd lose in a better way than we did. So yeah, I, I obviously don't like losing, but I can't really question it. If you give it a good go, and you make chances, and you know, if you hit the post or something, and think, oh, you know, we were we were right in that. But to lose and barely even give them a kick and and not be in their faces and try and pressure them, that's pretty weak for me. Um, one thing, just from from the comments, I don't want to ignore uh, comments too much. There's a few people talking about Matt Target being a, a mistake, letting him go, Ashley Young being a bit of a liability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I don't think we've spoken about this. I think Pat Pat has. What's your kind of verdict on the target thing? Because I think I think the situation was that Target wanted to go. He wanted to get minutes. So 
someone here says like it doesn't really matter what target you wanted if Dean gets injured, which he has, what we're left with in Ash Young is isn't good enough. So you, you keep target around, but I don't know whether it's as simple as that. So just your kind of general thoughts. I know we need to wrap up soon on the, the left um, back situation. I mean, listen, I've been critical of Target in the past. I don't think he's don't think he's been the best villa left back we've had in the top flight by by a long stretch, to be honest. But I don't really so I'm not saying I'll the clamour to get, you know, I don't even know if we can recall him or perhaps I should know, but I'm not saying get him back, get him back. I don't see what sense it made from a Villa point of view because, you know, okay, fair play to target, you know, like the, I really respect the, the fact that he wanted to play regularly uh, and that he's gone up there and, and from the bits that I've seen and from, from the bits that I hear from, from Newcastle fans has really made it a positive impact in there and, you know, they're going to be in the Premier League next year, so let, let's see if it can be a permanent deal. I just don't see what we thought would happen. You know, yeah. I, think, I think Gerard clearly trusted that Ashley Young was was a good enough deputy to play there. And I still not, you know, I don't, I think first half he was poor, I thought second half he was better. Tire. I still think Ashley Young can do a job there, you know, do a job there. But. You know, we, I'm sure Newcastle are paying some money towards targets, wages, and a loan fee. So financially, we get a little bit back. And I don't know. I don't don't know whether these there's a deal that that you know they get first refusal on him or, or whatever. So maybe maybe him going there and doing okay. If we've decided we don't want him, can inflate his price slightly. We can get good money back on our investment. So I can see it from that. But it, this was always going to be the case if there was if there was an injury. <laughs> Or a suspension to to Dean. This this was always going to be the case, and I just think, did we need to do it? But again, you know, Villa Villa will finish somewhere between eighth and thirteenth. I would have thought whether Matt Target's there, whether Ashley Young's playing left back, whether whether yeah. Coutinho plays and Buendia play, or whether we Ings and you know whether we go Ings Ings and Watkins. So it's I think it's all a little bit experimental. I'm sure there was a method in the madness from from. Christian Perslow and, and Stephen Gerrard's point of view. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm not one of these who, who's a big clamour saying that, oh, we, we, we made it massive, we made a massive mistake. So I think Ashley Young can. You know, he's gonna, he's not going to play against, against wingers as lively as Saka um, every yeah. week. I thought it was a mismatch first half. I thought it was like, oh, my God. The whole thing was rubbish first half, like we said at the start, so... Yeah. I think I wanted to... And this is not quite the, going off on a tangent... That I usually um, that I usually do. It's still football related, but have we? Dis- I think we might have discussed it before, but it annoys me. And I've just seen I've just seen a clip with Saka in the Arsenal crowd. Just the cardboard begging signs for shirts. Oh, we haven't talked about this, but I'm glad we are because I hate it. It's a it's a new modern phenomenon, isn't it? Phenomenon, <laughs> phenomenon, phenomenon. Yeah, phenomenon. It only seems to be. This season, it feels like I know fans have only just got back. I suppose <laughs> that's why it wasn't last season when yeah. we were locked down. Um, it's it been just... stewards doing it, or <laughs> yeah, it yeah, like, weird. like the John's ambulance people doing it. I'd have been really, really annoyed. But, uh... but I suppose my point is, it didn't seem to be happening before the, the the first lockdown. It seems to be a fairly new thing to see a kid. And I know it's kids, so it feels a bit harsh to say they shouldn't be doing it because it's just kids. But I kind of look at it and think, if I was a player, I would give it to the kids that didn't have a sign. Well, exactly. You go to the one you, you, you go over, and you—that's that's horrible. Imagine if you are the kid with a sign. That, that's horrible. We're Give it to the kid next people. to him. It's just—it's just, it's just 
just begging, isn't it? It's asking for, oh, please pick me, pick me. I just don't like the attitude from the kids. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, you, you know, when you get those kind of, those those T-shirts with like the arrow on saying, like, I'm standing next to Nobhead or whatever it is, <laughs> you should, with an arrow. I think you should get one I want. You should get a sign standing next to him saying, you know, don't give it to him. You know, he's not brushed his teeth or he's not done his homework or, you know, <laughs> that that kid there without the sign, that kid to the right without the sign is the one who's more deserving. And I don't yeah. know, perhaps, perhaps I'm being, there's probably people who think, oh, you, you're just really horrible, kind of closed-minded, kind of grump, grumpy old men. Um, but it's, You know what it's like? It's a bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. In that Charlie got the got the factory then for being the humble kid, the kid that wasn't spoiled, and the other kids like Violet Beauregard, they're the kids that have got the signs at football matches that pick me, pick me, oh look at me, I'm so good. It's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that you want to give the shirts to. Do we need to do we you know, do we need to teach these kids that that when they grow up they're going into competitive world, they've got to sharpen yeah. their elbows, they've got to put themselves out there. I don't know, I just it's something that doesn't sit right to me. But what what I would say is on a similar but I mean, I hope it's just thing. kids, by the way. If there's adults doing it, that's a whole new level of wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, It is I just mean, kids, isn't it, I think? For, for a start, what, why have you got all that glitter <laughs> and sparkly pens if you're an adult anyway? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and mine, if I did one, and this is proper tangent now, I had to go into my daughter's school a couple of years ago, and normally I'll go in if it's like the maths or the English, and you, you sit around and do a little bit of a workshop or whatever. Not just me, other parents and stuff. <laughs> but I had to go into an art one once. And I had to make this 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 kind of Marvel comic or this this superhero thing, and I did this flash mask, and it is the worst thing that you've ever seen, and it goes down in folklore as the crappiest thing. Back to generation, the crappiest thing our family have ever been, and, and I do this podcast, so you see see to the level, the crappiest thing our family have ever been involved in, and I just think. Maybe I'm jealous. Maybe it's because they do like these big fancy signs, and I maybe secretly the enemy wants to be able to do do this thing. But um, the thing I was going to say was what I was glad to see, and I think it's the first game back at Villa Park since fans have been back. All those horrible sheets that were going in front of the players' car park have gone. Uh, so yeah. I didn't get there. I didn't get to the game until probably an hour before kickoff. So the players would have already gone in. So I wouldn't have been able to show them my signs. But it was nice. You know, I think I think body more now. You can't go. You can't just walk up on spec and get autographs. So yeah. I like the fact that you can now, you know, now hopefully, you know, we COVID protocols are, are, are less so, and we 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 try to come through all, all the other side of all that. You can go and get autographs, but for me, that's the way you do it. You get there early. You queue. You put the graft in. You you wait. That maybe that's because that, that's the way we had to do it like when I was a lad. But just to think, oh, I'll make a sparkly sign and they will come to me rather than me. me. Do you know what I mean? I don't mm, know. What, what's, yeah. the, what's the message been like in the comments? Some people same with Grumpy. Someone, someone says, oh, really, it's the kids that make the signs. Are oh, the competitive ones who are working hard to try and get a shirt? Yeah, that's uh, fair. Yeah. Maybe we're just looking at it wrong. You know what you should yeah. do? You know what it needs? You're talking about a sparkly sign. Maybe you need to be a bit creative and do something different. Maybe next game. You should paint your head or something. You paint your bald head, write oh, it on the back, can I have a shirt, like and just turn around and go like that to the back of your head, back like of your bald that. head, and they'll go, that's different. He can have it. I like the idea of that. I like the idea yeah. of just kind of saying on the top of my head. Yeah, it's oh, like, here please, it is. Please give me an exclusive interview, Ollie, or something like that. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right, well, I'm, I'm glad. Better than that, fan, that Villa fan who put that, um, better than that Villa fan who put the dildo on his head. Do you remember that? 
I do remember that, yeah. yeah. That was the yeah. highlight of the relegation season, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, that was good. Uh, okay, All right. we'll call it a day there. Thank you for everyone who's still still watching at this point. Uh, we do appreciate your uh, company as always. Matt, you off to have a beer in the sun? I've already started, actually, yeah. Um, I'm on the little punk IPAs. I've not eaten. I did see oh. some people. I saw some people walk past. you having a little little party or something? We've got um, we've got me friends from South Wales down here, Nigel Chadney Construction. Um <laughs> I'm not a commission, so yeah, it's it's only it's only six o'clock. But yeah, it seems, the night is young. Well, that's the benefit of the early kickoff, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna have a few drinks. I'm gonna probably I don't know, I don't know what we've got. Whether we're having a takeaway curry or whether I'm going to the co-op, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> we don't. This. There's a there's a oh Matt Davis has just joined the chat. Does that mean he wants to say something? Shall I add him in? No, oh, he doesn't want to say anything. He's shaking his head. All right, fair enough. Maybe he's telling me to get off. Uh, just very quickly, there's a comment here from Justin Gaines saying, it's the only profession where you can ask for the employee's uniform. You can't go to a Starbucks, order coffee and say, can I get an autographed uniform, please? It's a very good point. I think that, I think that's probably dancing on the edges of injunctions, that is, isn't it, I think? So um, you're right, Justin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, Know, yeah. Let's end it. Uh, thank you very much for, for watching the Can't Believe podcast. As always, it's too fair, it's cheered me up a little bit uh, to have a chat about a bit of nonsense rather than uh, football stuff for the first 40 minutes. Skip past that, go straight to the end, is my advice. Well, next um, week I'm going to be rocking a Sainsbury's tabard that I've got on last year before <laughs> on the checkout with a, <laughs> a really right. massive piece of artwork. <laughs> I'm ending it. Thank you for watching. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.